Hello, friends. I'm Renee. And I'm Anna. And you're listening to Fangirl Happy Hour Question Tuesday Edition. This week, we're going to answer some questions about SF canon and genre. We're going to talk about how we read so much. And also, some possibly quick questions from for each other. We'll see. We never know what's going to go fast or not. We never know what's going to start a fight. Mm-mm. Let's go investigate. Our first question is from Jonah, and he sort of cheated. Jonah, you sort of cheated. This is two questions. What's going on? What's happening here? His first question is, what's a book or other piece of fiction that made you rethink sci-fi or fantasy? And his second question was, what's a conversation or piece of nonfiction that changed how you think about the genre? Anna, what is your answer to these two questions? I am not sure I understand those questions properly. I'm not sure how to address them. What does it mean make me rethink it? I am not sure I ever thought about science fiction and fantasy differently. Then maybe that's your answer. Because I know that some people think about science fiction and fantasy as minor genres to be dismissed. I never thought about it like that. So there was never a moment in which I turned my mind about it. Did you ever think of science fiction and fantasy in one way and then read something that changed how you thought about the genre? No, I don't think so. I, I always felt that science fiction and fantasy could be as clever as it can be. I always thought it was fun, but with the potential to be other things, like any literature. You can find whatever you want in those genres or in any genre. So I would say no, I don't think there was anything that made me think differently or rethink science fiction and fantasy. Well, what about a second question? Same. Really? Hold on. Okay. I don't know how to place this question in relation to a genre. Well, think about all the discussions that we've had. But that's not in relation to a genre. That's in relation to me as a human. I think you're overthinking it a little bit. Maybe. Because there have been conversations over and over and over the last five years that have shaped how we think and engage with science fiction and fantasy as an organized thing. And I know that eventually you had to come to a moment because you guys became, you became a publisher. And that is a totally different way of thinking about about genre than like as a reader. I'm not sure that's true. I don't think about, I don't think about genre as a publisher at all. I don't think about trends. I don't think about money. I don't think about any of that. I always thought about it, even as a reader. Really? Oh, wow. Yes, especially like my blog has always been... I mean, we always try to review things that we knew people wanted to, to read about. We always had that view. Our move from bloggers to publishers was so natural because that was always who we were. Like, they went in to work into publishing. I never wanted to be a writer or anything like that. I always wanted to run the blog and grow it. And for that to happen, I had to have a view of what my readers wanted. And in that way, it is the same thing with the publishing. 
How would you answer those questions then? Well, his first question uh, about what book or piece of fiction made me think sci-fi fantasy, that would probably uh, be God's War by Cameron Hurley. If I had to think of a marker between how I stopped thinking of them as two different things instead as genres that were intimately intertwined and that built each other up, that's the book that I look at. That or maybe also Kraken by Chana Mieville. Reading that book made me just stop thinking of it as two separate things. There, they are two different genres that are ultimately linked. It's really hard to decouple them in larger discussions about genre. And the second question, I wrote a column for Strange Horizons called Communities, the Weight of History. After I wrote it, I got a lot of feedback about it. And Galactic Suburbia had a discussion about the essay. Uh, It was episode 123. And it was really eye-opening because so far up to that point and putting that essay out and having people react to it the way they did, I had been really stressed out by this idea of SF canon. And I had to tie my approval as a critic to people who valued SF canon. And listening to their discussion just really gave me permission to stop caring so much about how other people saw genre and to instead focus on how I saw genre and how I formed opinions about genre. I still do care, obviously, about SF canon because I think earlier books are an example of how limited the imagination about the future was back then, especially on a social level. And so I think they're useful to look at so we know how and where we can do better and reach farther. But as a measuring stick for who gets to count as a critic, I think that episode of Galactic Suburbia was when I broke away from a pretty harmful position that I was trying to jam myself into. And it was a good move. That's really interesting how we approach those questions differently. But then again, we are different people. Yes, we are. But this is why we are so awesome. Our next question is from Addie, and they want to know, how do you read the volume of books that you do each year? This is when you're going to drop some knowledge for us, right? No, because remember that I used to read 130 books a year, and now I dropped to 60. So clearly I'm doing something wrong. So you are the one who needs to tell us. 60 is still a lot of books. Well, the answer for me is simple. I just make the time and I force myself. I don't know if forcing is the right word because it implies something that you don't want to do. I'm happy to make the time to read. So I wake up earlier than I could so that I could read before work. I take a couple of minutes during my lunch break to read. Uh, If I'm on the bus, I read. I make time for it before going to bed. I usually can fit about one hour's reading time every morning before work. That's usually very helpful. Yeah, I think it's just a matter of prioritizing. And also, if you don't have a job. Like, I'm a freelancer. I don't have a regular go-to-a-job-work-for-eight-hours, come-home. And part of my freelancing is that I read books. So, I mean, I guess one way to to read more books is to get a freelancing job. But just FYI, you're not always going to read the books you want to be reading. You have to get real lucky. I tend to get real lucky because I'm very, very picky about the jobs I take on because I just don't have enough time to be reading a bunch of stuff I hate just for money. I'm not going to do that to myself. So that's one way you could do it is to get a job reading random books. But otherwise, 
I still read a lot of other things that aren't for work. And one of the good ways I do it is to set aside time specifically for reading. I schedule it in. So it's going to be an hour where I sit there and do nothing but read for that hour. And it's also about finding out where your dead time is. Do you have dead time in the morning when you're waiting for breakfast? Do you have dead time while you're waiting for dinner to cook? Do you have dead time when you're in the bathroom? People are going to be like, that's gross, Renee. Well, guess what? If you're in the bathroom, that's 25 minutes that you might be able to use for something else. I, I do so much emailing at that time. Oh, well, see? I use it very well. So you have to find where your dead times are. Like, I don't recommend, like, reading at red lights. That's not smart. I had a friend that used to do that. That was not intelligent. But there's also trying different formats. So if you're in a car a lot, you should look into audiobooks because a lot of libraries now, public libraries, have overdrive and you can get audiobooks through your public library on your phone. If you have a phone or an iPad, there is an app and I use it sometimes to get audiobooks. And I also try to rotate format a lot. So I'm really aware of, oh, I just read a book. Let's try a graphic novel. I finished a graphic novel. Let's try some nonfiction. I'm bouncing around a bunch of different things. And because I'm making time for a bunch of different things at different times of the day, I'm getting through a lot more. Like, for instance, at night before I go to bed, because you're not supposed to look at screens before you go to sleep. It's bad for you and it doesn't help you sleep very well. I read for about 45 minutes to an hour of nonfiction from whatever nonfiction book I have. And if you get a nonfiction book that's not very long and you're reading two chapters a day before you go to bed, then the end of a week you're going to have finished that book. You do that for a year and you finished a bunch of nonfiction. That's a lot of nonfiction. And that's how I sneak in on my nonfiction reading. If I talk about nonfiction books, I've mostly read them in Night Before Bed. Because you can do a lot in an hour before bed, but if you're not doing anything on a screen, it means no phone, it means no TV, no computer, nothing with a screen. So pretty much your choices are sitting, staring at the wall, reading a book, or listening to like a radio show or a podcast. So if you're treating your body well and not looking at screens before you sleep, reading is a great activity. The reason I choose nonfiction for that is because if I'm reading fiction, I'm going to be up until 4 a.m. finishing the book. <laughs> because it's really easy to put down a nonfiction book after reading two chapters than it is to put down a, a, like a fiction book where you read two chapters and now you just get into a good part and you have to know what happens. That is so true. Just one chapter more, it's kind of like a recurring figure in my bed at night. Don't do it. Nonfiction only. Let, let me just finish this chapter. Three hours later. You gotta sleep. If you're really well-rested, it's easier to get up in the morning and put reading in the, in the morning. If you're well-rested, it means you have more energy in the afternoon to do reading. It's just about finding those empty moments and filling them with reading and scheduling your time really well so you know where it's going and then you can prioritize. Because it's just really about, if you want to read more, you prioritize reading more. Exactly. But I wouldn't worry so much about numbers because once you start worrying about numbers, you can really drag yourself down. Like, I'm always going to be able to read more than a lot of people in the world because I am a freelancer and I don't have that nine-to-five job. I'm sitting on a lot of time that's unstructured. So if you don't have that, you can't beat yourself up for not having it. It's not about numbers. It's about enjoying what you're reading. That's also tr very true. Yay, books! So recently I have started tutoring somebody in English and it's really fascinating to me how complicated it is to learn another language. 
And Anna, you know languages, and I'm curious about what languages you can navigate easily, what languages do you struggle with, and if there's a language that you don't know that you would like to learn. My mother tongue is Portuguese, so obviously I can navigate that. And English. I do pretty well in English. I can get away with Italian and French. I mean, have the barest conversations. If I talk to someone in French, I can, or, or Italian, I can go to France and Italy and basically get around in those languages. I can also read pretty well in them. Spanish is very, very, very close to Portuguese. And reading it, it's very easy. But I really struggle with speaking Spanish, probably because it's so similar, but yet so different that I end up wanting to speak Portuguese instead of Spanish. The language that I don't know that I would like to learn, and in fact, I have already downloaded an app so that I could start learning, is Greek. Because one of my best friends is Greek, and she just had a baby, and I am to be his godmother, and I need to learn to communicate with him. That's a good reason. I can only say a handful of words in Greek, even though I go to Greece pretty much every year and stay with this friend and her family only speaks Greek. I only know how to say foodstuffs and good morning and good night and hello. Hopefully she speaks something else, right? Oh, yeah, it's English. Also, she's, uh, this is her second son and her first son, because she's an English teacher, she's been speaking English with him since he was born and he's three and he communicates in English very well. She's going to do the same thing with my godson, but I would still like to learn the language to, you know, return the favor. That's so nice. Aww. I'm learning Spanish right now. How are you doing? Como está está indo? See, I just spoke Portuguese, but with a Spanish accent. I can say... La araña, la araña es mía. Why do you have a spider? That's just what it taught me to say. Oh, fucking bullshit. I would refuse to have those lessons. Sometimes if I go in and do a practice on Duolingo, it will pick a word and just like hammer that word at me with a bunch of different sentences. La araña. 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 I can't roll anything or do the enye sound. It's fucking terrible. Southerner, try to speak some Spanish. So you see, that very same sentence... La aran araña es mía. Yeah, so that's Spanish. Yes, that's Spanish. Araña es mía. That's Portuguese. Ugh, that's so confusing. It's exactly the same thing, basically. <laughs> but it sounds different. No, it doesn't. Does it? It does to me. Well, it's because I say everything in Spanish in my stupid southern accent, so everything sounds weird. And I'm still bad at vowels. I can't seem to get... And Spanish only has like five vowels. It's not English with 800 zillion vowels that change depending on what order the word is in. English is stupid. I agree. This guy that I'm teaching English, I just going to be like, listen, I don't know grammar. I don't know how to diagram sentences. I don't know parts of speech. This is why I failed at Spanish so bad because they were like, what's a direct object pronoun? And I'm like, what the hell is a direct object? And you're supposed to know those things from English, but I didn't know them. So I struggled with Spanish because they want you to know the parts of the sentence to speak Spanish so you can identify what things are. But if you don't know them from English, you're fucked. <sighs> anyway. Our question chooses are never easy. Why do we always make them hard for each other? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Oops.
What's the weirdest thing you have ever eaten? Okay, this is gonna be really boring, probably for most people who live outside the U.S. and have fairly interesting food choices. But okay, in sixth grade, I'm scared. We did this project where we had a lot of different bugs because we were doing some kind of science thing. No, no, why did I ask this question? I don't know what we were using the bugs for, but when we got done, we had all these leftover grasshoppers. The teacher brought some chocolate and we covered these grasshoppers in chocolate and then we ate the grasshoppers that were covered in chocolate. And then we rated what they tasted like. And then he brought out mass-produced professional chocolate-covered grasshoppers. And we tried those. And then we rated those to see which ones were better. PSRs were better. I have never regretted asking a question so much in my life. Because you have no idea how much I hate grasshoppers. Not the taste of them, because I am not... (laughs) I would never taste a grasshopper in my life. But they terrify me so much, those fucking insects. Oh my god, and I wish I had an aranha to just kill them all. Oh my gosh, no, no. Were they were they crunchy? They had more texture than flavor. It was crunchy chocolate. It was like eating chocolate <laughs> with nuts. <laughs> Except <laughs> At one point some of the guys were like scooping them up in like big handfuls and putting them all in their mouth and chomping them. And then smiling, and then you would see like legs sticking out of their teeth. <laughs> Aren't you glad you asked this question? Listen, this question was started because I was looking at a recipe that had tacos, like lettuce tacos. Lettuce. What on earth? We went from tacos made of lettuce to chocolate covered grasshoppers. Please, no more insects. What do you mean no more insects? I have like five. No, I don't have any more stories. So what you're telling me is if I send you a package of chocolate-covered grasshoppers. I would never talk to you again. (laughs) It would be the end of our friendship. Okay. Good to know. There is no other animal on this planet that I fear the most as a grasshopper. But they don't look like grasshoppers. They're all chocolate. They're all like balled up and covered in chocolate. So they don't even look like it. Oh my God. I'm going to vomit. I just, I literally just threw up inside my mouth. We have to end this. It's the end of a very emotion-filled Question Tuesday. Thanks to Jonah and Addie for sending in questions. And Anna, thanks to you for answering questions with me, Grasshopper Anti-Fan number one. I will have to think about some really mild question for you next time. Oh no, now I'm scared of your life. Our show's art is by Ira. You can find them on Twitter at It's Just Ira. Our transcripts are made for us by Susan, who you can find on Twitter at Spindilly. Please send her a lot of love for helping us level up in accessibility. And I mean, really, go send her some random bee and heart emojis with no context and blame us if she question marks at you. Our music this week is about Chuggy Beats and Boxcat Games. Links to all of these awesome folks will be in our show notes at fangirlhappyhour.com. We really want to hear from you. Are you learning a new language? How do you find time to read? Let us know via Twitter at Podcast or email us at fangirlhappyhour at gmail.com. If you like your show, you can give our episode announcements a retweet or reblog, or write your own rec on your social media about us. And you can rate us 
in Space Bees. Can people use Infinity Space Bees on social media? I guess we'll find out. And if you want to ask a question, you can ping us on social media or you use the handy form on fringirlhappyhour.com. Remember, drink water, sleep longer, and call your reps. And thanks for listening to our show, friends. See you next episode.